Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. This is your host, Keith Patrick. We're going to change things up a little bit this week. I'm going to bring you two episodes. This one is going to recap the series with the Kentucky Wildcats in Lubbock this weekend and look ahead briefly to New Mexico State, who the Red Raiders will be facing at 2 p.m. on Tuesday in their first midweek matchup. And on Thursday, I'll bring you your regular episode. We'll look ahead to the Frisco College Baseball Classic next weekend and briefly recap that New Mexico State game. Before we dive into Texas Tech baseball, as I have been doing, I want to give a shout out again to the Texas Tech softball team, 13-1 and now on the season, have four shutouts this year, have beaten several ranked opponents, including Arizona State and Oregon this weekend in California, and then battled tough against the number four team in the nation, the Washington Huskies, another women's college world series team from last season. The Red Raiders fell to them 4-1, to one, but battled hard through that one. Not a bad showing against a team of that caliber. Also defeated Arizona State, who was also a Women's College World Series team from 2018, and shut them out on Friday. So solid showing by Texas Tech softball. Excited for Coach Adrian Gregory and her squad with what they've been able to do this season. Looking forward to seeing what they continue to do. They are really pitching well, and they can absolutely rake. I am excited to see what they have coming. Also a shout out to Texas Tech men's track and field, big 12 champions for the indoor spring track and field season. Really fantastic showing. Their margin was so large, they didn't even have to run their main relay team. They had such a margin of victory to win the Big 12 title. And then the women's track and field team came in number two in the Big 12, a solid showing for them. A little bit of a personal bias there. My sister ran track for Texas Tech back in the early 2000s, a letter winner there, went to nationals and excited to follow them a little bit and see what they're doing in that new facility hosting the Big 12 championship. And then, of course, a shout out to Texas Tech Red Raider basketball taking down the Kansas Jayhawks by 29 at United Supermarkets Arena. It was quite the Texas Tech sports day on Saturday. Tennis had a strong showing as well as did golf this weekend. Just strong sports days all around. Good time to be a Red Raider this spring. So let's dive in for the Kentucky Wildcats, welcoming in an SEC team, another Power 5 conference team, to Lubbock this weekend. The game on Friday was moved from 6 p.m. up to 2 p.m., so the TV changed a little bit on that, but it was a good crowd out there. I was able to get out to the ballpark after work on Friday and see what the Red Raiders were putting together. Once again, got behind early and had to come back. Had a big six-run six there to get back on top, and Red Raiders ultimately get the W 7-4 against the Wildcats. Had eight hits on the day to Kentucky six. Red Raiders with two errors that day. Kentucky had one. It was not a bad day. Solid showing there. Solid showing there. Erickson Lanning was your starting pitcher. He was able to go five full innings pitched, allowed four hits, three runs, but none of them earned. 
had one walk and four strikeouts on the day. Lanning hung in there for 72 pitches on the start. That's a solid outing for him. Something nice to see because that's a guy you remember in 2016 was starting in the Super Regional to help you clinch and go to the College World Series for the second time in the history of the program. Guy that you're glad to see back and certainly stepping up and having a solid start on a Friday afternoon for the Red Raiders. Following landing, you had Ryan Kesey come in. He continues to get some opportunities from Coach Tim Tadlock and Matt Gardner. Only lasted two and a third for Kesey, allowed one run. He had a strikeout in there, but just didn't didn't look quite as sharp as they wanted him to. Had a fairly short leash. Connor Queen came in and had one third inning pitch, which is basically what he had last weekend as well, and earned his second win in that time. So Connor Queen getting the benefit of the call from the bullpen and earning himself another win. Dane Haveman came in with another solid relief outing, an inning and a third for the Red Raiders of just pure shutout baseball. And Taylor Floyd took it home, one and two-thirds innings, only allowed one hit, had three strikeouts in that time, no runs scored, no walks. So Taylor Floyd, once again, showing out as a reliever for the Red Raiders on Friday. So they get the W Friday. Everybody looks pretty good. Not a bad day. Cameron Warren and Dylan Noisy had a couple of doubles. Not a big hitting day for any Red Raider. Brian Klein had a two-hit day. Braxton Fulford as well, continuing his hot streak at the plate. He had an RBI. Cam Warren had three RBI on the day, the only Red Raider with a multi-RBI day at the plate. Unfortunately, he had two errors, both from your middle infield. Drew Baker had one and Brian Klein another. Not egregious, but still a little bit frustrating to see those. But it's early in the season. These guys are still getting to know each other. If there's anybody that really, really has to have great chemistry on the on the field. It's your second baseman and your shortstop. Those guys really have to know what the other one's doing. They're crossing each other. They're backing each other up. They're covering all the time. And certainly then you start talking about double plays. There's a lot of communication and expectation has to come from them. And that'll come with time. I think Drew Baker has been somebody that's been strong there and he's getting stronger with each start, in my opinion. And Brian Klein, a guy that you always like having at second, and he's been a strong player there for you for a while. So not to undersell all the other chemistry that's important on the field, but those two guys in the middle infield, they really need to be able to communicate just with a look or even a noise. So it's a lot to think about there, and and they're still doing a pretty good job. So the Red Raiders roll into Saturday, a 2 o'clock game at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. The wind was whipping around in Lubbock, Texas. You may have seen some Facebook posts about trampolines going airborne. LPNL was battling some downed power lines for flying debris throughout the day, gusts over into the 60s. So it was a wild day in the parking lot, but as soon as you got into the ballpark, it was actually a really, really nice day for baseball. Of course, the wind was whipping high, but the building really was a great wind block. It was very pleasant in the stands and comfortable until you got into the shade and it cooled off, but a pretty day out there at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park and just an enjoyable one. The Red Raiders got up early with a one-run lead in the first and they ended up down again and had to come back. They had a six-run fifth to match a four-run fifth by the Wildcats, and then they held on and took it all the way to the end. Red Raiders end up taking it 10-7. to Red Raiders had 13 hits on the day to the Wildcats 10. Only one error for the Red Raiders that day. Still one too many, but better than two. And the Red Raiders the beneficiary of four errors by the Wildcats. Just a sloppy day for them in the field. Frustrating for them, I'm sure. Their shortstop and their right fielder really struggled really throughout the series. Their shortstop number 19, Alex Rodriguez, really had a tough time out there. And I will guarantee you that those of us at first base, and I'm sure others, let him know about it. 
Caleb Killian got the start for you on Saturday. He went four and a third innings pitched, allowed six hits and three runs, all of them earned. He only walked one and he struck out four. He also hit a batsman, so Caleb Killian, not as sharp as you'd like. Definitely a better start than he had in opening weekend. Just needs a little bit of time, it would appear. And Coach Tim Tadlock echoed those sentiments as well in the postgame press conference. These guys are all kind of moving forward at a pace that they can, need some time to shake the rest off. And this is the time for that. You know, the early season, the non-conference time, that's what it's about. It's okay if there's a loss here and there or a little bit of a struggle. What the Red Raiders have this year as a strength is a little bit deeper bullpen than we saw in 2018. And you've seen some guys step up. Clayton Beater has had some solid outings. Dane Haveman, as I mentioned before, solid outings. Had two full innings in this one. Allowed one hit and one run, but had four strikeouts for Haveman. Clayton Beater earned his second save as a Red Raider. He had two full innings pitched. He had one walk and three strikeouts. Did a really excellent job closing that game out for Texas Tech. And you still do have your struggles. We'll talk about those here a little bit later, but your bullpen looking a little bit deeper and guys are starting to find their role, find their rhythm, and starting to work out pretty well for Texas Tech. Batting was a lot hotter on Saturday, you had doubles from Gabe Holt, Josh Young, Doug Facindo, Tanner Otrimba, and Cameron Warren. Dylan Noisy, the hero of the day, had a solo home run in the second inning and then came back in the fifth and hit a grand slam. Obviously, his second home run as a Red Raider ends up being his first grand slam as a Red Raider. Just an absolute moonshot by Dylan Noisy in a great situation to break everything wide open and give you that six-run inning that Texas Tech needed there in the fifth. So exciting to see him be successful. He's been solid in the field. We'll talk a little bit more about Noisy later as well, but just a pretty good day all the way around. You had multi-hit days from Drew Baker, who had three. Dylan Noisy, as I mentioned. Tanner Otrimba had two, as did Cam Warren. Just a solid day all the way around. Noisy, of course, with five RBI on the day. The only Red Raider with multiple RBI. So you walk out of that day feeling pretty solid. There was good pitching most of the way around, solid hitting. Although the Red Raiders did come from behind again, it did just feel like a more solid win than they had had before. That was also consecutive games that Texas Tech had scored six runs in an inning, and it was the second time this season they had scored over 10. The Red Raiders actually... Through that point, it hit a home run in five out of their six games this season. They've also only allowed six walks over the last three games up through Saturday, so that's definitely a nice one to see as well. So you roll into Sunday wondering, okay, is the pitching going to be there? You know that Kentucky's probably getting a little bit thin. They had a lot of guys to replace, so you're going to start seeing some faces of some freshmen, and you certainly did. And you also, on Saturday, had already seen at least two Kentucky pitchers make a second appearance on the weekend. So you knew they were probably getting a little bit thin in the bullpen and that this could be one of those days where things did not go their way. And that is definitely how it played out for the Kentucky Wildcats. The Red Raiders take this one 19-4, to had two runs in the first, and then it was tied up by Kentucky in the second. Then the Red Raiders break out for a six-run third, followed by a four-run fourth, and then later on tacked on three more in the sixth, four more in the seventh. Those are unanswered, and Kentucky's only able to grab one more along the way. So just a wild day, an error on each side for both teams, and everyone takes the opportunity a little bit late to work some guys in. A fun day with lots and lots of offense, but a long game, that is for sure, especially for the fans out there sitting in the shade. It wore down pretty quickly. It was a three-hour and 47-minute game 
today with that much scoring going on. So Red Raiders boat race the Wildcats. Then those numbers start to get a little bit silly, but it was a fun one nonetheless and definitely enjoyable to watch. Tanner Otremba had just a no-doubter home run to left field. He had doubles from Brian Klein and Dylan Noisy, and also some good opportunistic hitting, some sacrifices from Marshock and Cameron Warren. Just a, a good day for those guys, a good day to get some work in. You saw some guys get to work in. You saw four innings caught from Mason Menzi, somebody that hadn't seen any action so far this season. Good for him to get out there and get a little bit of work in. Cody Masters got to work in as a pinch hitter. You had multi-hit days from Drew Baker with three, as well as Josh Young. Brian Klein had four. Otrimba also had three, and Noisy had two. And Braxton Fulford brought in two hits as well. Brian Klein with a four RBI day, and then Tanner Otrimba with seven ribbies on Sunday. Just an absolute monster day for him at the plate. Really impressed with that young man, doing a great job in right field. Made a really fantastic catch, diving away from the field towards the wall. It was a little bit scary to watch from a fan's perspective. It looked like he was going head first into the wall on that dive, but made the catch. Really an outstanding play. Even Coach Tadlock came out to meet him outside the dugout and shake his hand. It was it was really a good one. He just has sneaky, sneaky speed. He really does remind me a lot of Stephen Smith in that regard. A guy with a great approach at the plate, really can hammer it, and he is quick on the base pass and quick. Quick, quick, fast-moving legs out there in the field. So he's fun to watch play. You can see why he was the number one player coming out of Colorado in this recruiting class. Mason Montgomery, the freshman, got the start today. It's his second start as a Red Raider. He got the win as well. He's had five full innings pitched. He went over 80 pitches, so it was a good, solid start for him to get out there and put the work in. Maybe not a huge step forward, but definitely saw some, some quality work from Montgomery. He allowed two hits and two runs, both of them earned. He had two walks and then five strikeouts. Now, the stat that you don't like as much, he had four hit batsmen in his start. So only two earned runs, but did hit four batters. So that's not not your favorite, you know, a little bit of command and control issues there. But all in all, Mason Montgomery with a solid day. Kurt Wilson turned in two innings in relief directly behind Montgomery. He allowed one hit and one run, had a strikeout there, also hit a batsman. Cade Farr, we saw him for the first time this season as a Red Raider. He only had two-thirds of an inning. He had a little bit of a short leash. Ryan Sublette turned in a third. And then Micah Dallas closed it out, his first outing as a Red Raider as well. And he turned in shutout baseball in that inning. He had two strikeouts, hit a batsman as well. So seven hit batsmen on the day for the Red Raiders, but some of your less experienced pitching out there. So it's not a total surprise. And they did have, obviously, a pretty solid day controlling the bats of the Kentucky Wildcats. I think it's important to remember as well that this team is just learning to play together right now. This was only their second series together on the field as a team playing against an opponent. And that's not an easy thing to do. As Texas Tech becomes a more elite program, you'll continue to see these big draft classes leave each year, and so you'll continue to have a large crop of new players come in. You know, as a fan sitting in the stands and learning names and seeing where people are playing and trying to get used to players and find familiar faces, that's one thing. But remember, these guys are on the field trying to work at a very fast pace, learn each other's motions and mannerisms and communication and find ways to play together. And if you did see a step forward this weekend, I think it was in that regard. In the postgame press availability for the Sunday game, Tanner Otrimba spoke to that, and I wanted to play you a clip of that really quickly. As a player, what was your biggest takeaway with this series with Kentucky? Um, I thought we really just had fun. I mean, 
last weekend it was it was kind of like our first weekend out and um, you know it was our first time playing together and uh, this weekend we had a lot of fun and everyone you know got a feel for um, each other and uh, just had a blast playing. So you can hear there from Otrimba, you know, these guys just haven't played together very much. Yeah, you had fall ball, you had some spring ball, but inter-squad scrimmages don't really teach you that much about each other and how you're going to respond in a game situation. You can work on skills and some communication and how you'll do some things, but you also haven't even shaken out your lineup or positions yet. You had a lot of position battles going on within the team. So I think as they grow and learn about each other, you're going to see this team continue to get better and better. And with a coaching staff like you have, with Tim Tadlock, with Matt Gardner, with J. Bob Thomas, with Eric Gutierrez, with Ray Hayward still around there, all the guys that are around this team, I think you'll continue to see them grow. And I think you'll continue to see them in future years. You'll see a lot of new faces come in, and that's a sign of quality coaching, of them gelling and learning how to play together and getting better as the season goes on. You know, you don't hear Tim Tadlock panicked in any way in these press conferences because it's baseball and it takes a little bit of time to get it together. That's why it's a long season sport and there's certainly nothing to worry about there. So I want to remember that this is a team that's still learning to play together and there's still a lot of positives in what they've done so far and there's a lot more positives to come from them. So last week we started something new and gave awards for the series, and I'm going to do that again. So I've got a hitter of the series, a pitcher of the series, and a player of the series for you. Hitter of the series, I'm going to give that one to Tanner Otrimba. There were arguments to be made for Drew Baker and Dylan Noisy as well, but Otrimba went five for nine with three runs and a home run, eight RBI, and he had a double mixed in there as well. Just a solid weekend at the plate for Otrimba, and I enjoy seeing what he does out in the field as well. So hitter of the series, give that one to Tanner Otrimba from Colorado. The pitcher of the series, I want to give that one to Erickson Lanning. As I mentioned, Lanning went 72 pitches. He had five full innings pitched. Four hits, three runs, none of them earned, one walk, and four strikeouts. So Lannings is tied for the longest outing of the season with Mason Montgomery, the Sunday starter. He really did redeem that error-freeze moment that he had in his first outing. You know, that was a frustrating moment for fans to watch. It ended up being a pretty long play that was just frustrating. As you missed the opportunity to get put outs, you got into a rundown that was unsuccessful. You know, Lanning kind of froze and didn't know where to go. He's been injured and out of baseball for a while, so it was a little bit understandable. But in his start on Friday, there was a bunt that came directly back to them. He fielded it about halfway from the mound to the plate, and not having time to barehand it and throw it to Braxton Fulford at catcher, he gloved it and scooped it over to Fulford. Did a really great job fielding that bunt and getting the out at home. Really thought that it was a good, solid start for landing, and then he had some good fielding mixed in there as well. Had to build that young man's confidence. It's exciting to see him step up. We'll talk a little bit about starting pitching here in a minute, but it's good to see him. So pitcher of the series goes to Erickson Lanning. And the player of the series, I've got to give that one to left fielder Dylan Noisy. He has been absolutely electric as a Red Raider so far. He was 5 for 13 this weekend. He had five runs scored, two home runs, one of those a grand slam, seven RBI, and he had two doubles mixed in in the weekend. On Friday, he scored the go-ahead run in the sixth. Of course, as I said, the grand slam and a solo home run on Saturday, 
and he's had an RBI in five consecutive games now. He just really has a great approach at the plate. He talked in postgame availability on Saturday how Friday he just didn't have a great day. His dad wasn't able to come to the game and that he woke up to a kind of a paragraph from dad talking to him about what it was he needed to think about with his approach. So he got himself in the cages. He changed his mindset, got back inside of himself, as Tim Tadlock says, really worked on his approach and had a really successful day on Saturday and a good day on Sunday. So it's fun to watch him play. He does a good job out there. On Sunday, there was plenty of wind as well. Not 60 miles an hour, but definitely some breeze out there in, at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. Noisy had a ball hit out to left center that we saw almost turn over and roll back to left field. He read it really well, got back underneath it, and laughed about it on his way back in. But it was a good out for him, and he's had some good ones out there. He's laid out for a few and and done a good job in left field. He's error-free so far. So it's just exciting to watch him play. He's hitting really well. He's got a 360 batting average right now. I know it's early. Those get a little skewed, but his slugging percentage is a 760, and he's got a 448 on-base percentage. So he's doing a good job for the Red Raiders, and I want to give him the player of the series for the Kentucky Wildcat series. Now, this Red Raider team is certainly not perfect. There are definitely some concerns to talk about. First and foremost, I want to talk about Gabe Holt. Don't have a concern at all with Gabe Holt's play. He's been fantastic. Did see a 20-game hitting streak come to an end this weekend, although I think Gabe Holt has reached safely probably something like 70 games if we were to go back and look. Still playing great, drawing walks all over the place, doing whatever it takes to get on base as a leadoff hitter. Gabe Holt also started this series in center field, played center field a fair bit in the opening weekend series against the Oregon Ducks. But going for a ball, he took a hard hit into the wall on Saturday. Ended up finishing that inning, but did not go back into the game. It was clear that he was hurt out there, but he was gutting it out and wanted to finish the inning. He's a tough young man. Tim Tadlock spoke to that toughness as well. Today in the postgame press availability, he did say that Gabe wanted to get back out there today, but they're going to hold him out a little bit. He's a little bit sore. I have been told that Gabe has some internal bruising, nothing extremely serious, but definitely something he'll need a little bit of time to work through. So I wouldn't expect to see him against New Mexico State. Uh, You may see him again in Frisco. I would be surprised if you didn't, just knowing Gabe Holt and how much he's going to want to play and want to get out there. He's a tough young man. That's kind of the way baseball players do. He's old school, and I like that. I think Gabe Holt will be playing for you in Frisco. If he's not, then the bruising may have been a little more severe than we realized. So I have some concerns, and I'm sure most Red Raider baseball fans do, about starting pitching. Caleb Killian has gotten a little bit better over his second start, and I think you'll continue to see him improve. Mason Montgomery has been a pretty serviceable Sunday starter. Certainly want to see him take a step forward, but uh, for a freshman in his first and second starts, you've seen some good things there for sure. Uh, you got some question marks, though. Who's your third starter? You know, Is Erickson Landing going to be that guy? I, I gave him pitcher of the series. I think he did a good job on Friday. He certainly wasn't shut down, but he was much better than we had seen him in relief. Bryce Bonin, somebody that has maybe disappointed. You want to see him come back out. He's got electric stuff. He has good mound presence, just a matter of getting him out there and in the right mindset. And who else is going to step up for the Red Raiders? You know, who's going to be a consistent midweek guy? Who are possibilities in tournament type play? Definitely going to need a little bit more starting pitching to step up. And that'll start to shake out. It's very early, but it's something to ask because we're just really not sure. 
You're also seeing your relief pitcher step up. Dane Haveman has had a great time so far. Connor Queen with his two wins. He's had short outings, but they've been electric. I love watching Queen come out of the bullpen. He sprints from the bullpen all the way to the mound. Excited to get out there. Really a fired-up guy. I love his attitude. Comes out there and just works. Clayton Beater, a guy with just some great stuff, lots of velo, really fun to see him. Like to see him get a little more angle on those pitches and command his his secondary pitches, but has had a good good time for the Red Raiders so far, has two saves under his belt. Taylor Floyd has quietly turned in some great relief outings. He's been somebody that's gotten a lot of strikeouts when he's been out there, so he's been a reliever that stepped up. Trey Garlett was a fantastic reliever last weekend, did a really good job in his outing. Tim Tadlock called him special. We didn't see him in this weekend against Kentucky, as you saw some other guys get opportunities. But there's some questions. We've seen very little of Caleb Freeman so far. We saw John McMillan in a couple of situations. He did get a save last weekend. This weekend came in in relief, was on a very short leash. Didn't see a lot of him. A little bit of a question there when Coach Tadlock went out to pull him. I didn't see McMillan hand him the ball. I saw Coach Tadlock have to take it out of his glove. Did not see John McMillan today in BP or around the team in warmups. Not sure if he's in the doghouse or if there's more going on there, but Certainly a guy you know he wants to be a starting pitcher. Is he not happy? What's the situation there? I mean, he's such a weapon if he would just find the right spot that works for him and that he can go out there and be successful for the Red Raiders. Ryan Sublet, another guy who continues to get some chances. Ryan Kesey as well. Both getting some chances, but just on fairly short leashes, not turning in a ton of quality work for the Red Raiders, doing all right here and there. Some guys that you wonder, are they going to step up or continue just to be some inning-eating kind of guys? Another concern, just curious about catcher. Braxton Fulford has 100% stepped up. He is an absolute stud at the plate this season. He's leading the team with a 467 batting average, slugging an 867. He's got a 5.56 on-base percentage, just really doing a great job. He's got two home runs so far, has seven hits on the season, just really doing well. He's error-free. But then who's your second guy? I, I thought Cole Stillwell may step up and do that. You haven't seen him again since his first opportunity. He started on opening day, really struggled there with the throws, struggled at the plate making plays, just hadn't slowed down for him yet. As I said, Mason Menzi got a chance to catch four innings today in the blowout win. Learned some things. Coach Tadlock talked about that. I think you just got two young guys back there, and Braxton Fulford is almost 100% definitely your number one as it stands right now. And then errors. I think errors have been a little bit of a problem. The Red Raiders have five so far, so it's not horrible. They're mostly your middle infield. As I mentioned, Drew Baker and Brian Klein, those guys just have to get used to each other, work on communication. It's it's tough to play those two positions when you don't know exactly what the other guys are doing, and, and they'll work on that. Brian Klein is a strong player, a strong leader, and he'll communicate with Drew Baker, who also is fired up and looks like he's ready to play and ready to learn. Josh Young has one error, nothing to worry about there. He's obviously still an elite player, and then Erickson Lanning has the other. But you've also benefited from eight errors by your opponents, so that's not always going to be the case. The Red Raiders put a a lot of balls in play, but you're definitely going to face more elite competition than you have in Oregon and Kentucky. So got to tighten some things up and can't count on those errors coming from your opponents no matter what. 
All right. Well, as I said, the Red Raiders are going to be facing the New Mexico State University Aggies in Lubbock, Texas on Tuesday at 2 p.m. This is game one of a two-game season series. The Red Raiders will see New Mexico State again in April in a Tuesday game. That one will be in Midland at Security Bank Ballpark. So this game will be on Texas Tech TV on Tuesday. Just a little bit about New Mexico State. It's a team that the Red Raiders see often, as you know, uh, as well as the University of New Mexico. They have two conference titles under their belt in their history, four NCAA tournament appearances in 2002-3-12, and then they did make the tournament last year. They were 40-22 and last season, 17-7 and in the WAC. Their ultimate RPI was an 87. Their final ranking at the end of the season was number 66. Head coach Brian Green's in his fifth season. And if you remember, New Mexico State was actually in the Lubbock Regional. They won their first WAC tournament championship last year, and they exited from the Lubbock Regional. They had a 2-9 loss to Texas Tech, and they fell to Kent State 2-1. They had some really strong pitching in 2018 and, and really some of the top producing offense in the country. But then again, beating up on the WAC isn't exactly the most impressive way to earn the faith of the committee or to boost your RPI. These are standard opponents for Texas Tech, but make no mistake, they're never a free win. These teams always make me a little bit wary. Uh, they can pop out and, and really snatch you sometimes, and they, the, once again, are really, really able to score. So far, they're 7-1 and one on the season. They outscored Texas Southern over opening weekend 98-19, to and uh, then they just went 3-1 and one against Yale this weekend. They had 13 or more runs scored in each of their three wins against the Yale Bulldogs. So a lot of runs coming out of there, but then once again, they're not necessarily facing the most quality of opponents. In 2018, they had a team ERA of four, which was about 70th in the country, certainly not terrible. The Red Raiders scored 23 runs on the Aggies in three games last season with a 12-0 win, 9-2, and then 2-1. They lost Kyle Bradish, who was a perfect game third-team All-American, and then Jonathan Goff, who was another senior, was named to the all-region second team by the ACBA. Bradish was drafted in the fourth round by the Los Angeles Angels, so they've got some big pieces to replace in the starting rotation, and those are some big question marks for them. It's difficult. I'm not going to pull a lot of numbers out looking at this team. They do have a starting pitcher that has a .73 ERA right now, but considering the competition that this team's seen, I'm just not convinced that they're an elite team as you think of them right now. Their slash line in 2018 was fantastic. It was a 310, 409, 478. They were sixth, fourth, and ninth in the country. They had the sixth most runs scored in the country at 493 runs. They were also first in the country in hit by pitch, which I think would probably denote the quality of pitching they were facing in the WAC. Freshman Nick Gonzalez was their team leader with a 347 batting average. He had 17 doubles, nine home runs last year. He was a serious competitor. He had a 596 slugging percentage, had 40 runs scored, 36 ribbies. This season, he's got a 675 batting average and six home runs already. He's got 19 runs scored and 27 RBI. The team as a whole has already hit 18 dingers. So I'm not going to pretend like they can't hit. You know, baseball is baseball. You put a guy up there and they're still swinging bats one way or the other. But I'm curious to see who the Red Raiders start on Tuesday. Hunter Dobbins got some work over the weekend against Kentucky. He was slated to be your game four starter against the Oregon Ducks. So there's a potential that you might see Dobbins out there. But I think there are other names that are potentials as well. There are still pitchers that we haven't seen that are on this Red Raider roster.
So I'm not incredibly worried about New Mexico State, even if it was a loss. I wouldn't be incredibly worried because it's so early in the season. But I definitely think that you need to put out some solid pitching. This is an opportunity to have a good tune-up game after boat racing Kentucky on Sunday and not getting as much work in in the field as you may have needed. Now you have a good opportunity to play a reasonable opponent here at home in a single-game set and get yourself ready to go out to Frisco and play some competition that's really going to push the Red Raiders more than they have been so far this season. Well, that's it for me for this episode. I just wanted to look back at the Kentucky Wildcats and look ahead to the New Mexico State Aggies coming to town on Tuesday. You can catch me in your feed on Thursday as usual. We'll be looking back at that New Mexico State game and seeing how that went and then looking ahead to the Frisco College Baseball Classic. Should be an exciting time out there in Frisco at Dr. Pepper Ballpark, home of the Frisco Rough Riders. If you haven't gotten your tickets, I encourage you to think about going. It's like 50 bucks to see every game over the weekend. The Red Raiders play the late game on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it should just be a lot of fun out there watching some good baseball against Nebraska, Mississippi State, and Sam Houston State. Well, with all that being said, thank you again for listening to the show. Thanks so much for telling your friends about it, for interacting with me on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby or at Keith B. Patrick. It's been a lot of fun so far. Looking forward to a long season of Texas Tech baseball and some more success for this Red Raider team. Please continue to rate us on iTunes and to tell folks about this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I'm going to try this new format out. Let me know how you like it. If I don't see you before then, we'll see you in Frisco. Until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me